Mana 3 Media. Let's face it, the world is just a messy place. There's probably not one of us that hasn't heard a lesson or some information at some point and said, hey, with all that's going on around me, what difference does that make? I'm Dr. Mike Courtney. I'm a counselor, a lifelong recoverer, a husband, a father, a business owner, a grandfather, and I love to ask this question, what difference does that make? Welcome to What Difference Does That Make? A podcast that's dedicated to helping you live a happier, healthier, and holier life in sometimes what's a very difficult and messed up world. I'm Mike Courtney, and it's always fun to visit with you. It's also always fun to visit with my good friend, and lifelong producer, David Wilkinson. Hey, David. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I should say lifelong so far. We haven't finished this My thing. My lifelong so far <laughs> until tomorrow, <laughs> producer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Who knows? I'm whatever it's, you need me to be, man. It's great to see you. Thank you. Uh, we've done some fun stuff together over the last couple of years. I agree wholeheartedly. Yes. And today should be no different. I do want to point out that in the last couple episodes, we were joking about the the term crying. Yeah. And I said, oh, do we need the tissue boxes out? And you uh-huh. said, oh, it's not that kind of crying. <laughs> Today, we better get the hankies it's ready. It's that kind of crying. <laughs> Tell us about this episode. Wow. I, you know, every once in a while, three o'clock in the morning, I have these great ideas. And I just woke up one morning about three o'clock and said, why are all country songs so sad? Why Such a they, good question. Yeah. Why do they write sad songs? So I called my great friend, Ken Hart, mm-hmm. who is a country songwriter. I said, Ken, let's do a podcast. And I want you to bring your saddest country song, yeah. saddest song you've ever written. I want you to bring that. And let's talk about why country songs are so sad. And David, he came through. He- <laughs> Did he prove that oh, it is? Oh, man. It is the most God-awful, sad, sad song. We were, <laughs> we were talking and laughing and having a great time. He played that song. When he got done, I could hardly breathe. It yeah. was just so sad. Just call so, it a day. Yeah, we're going to play that today. Yeah, just so just prepare the listeners for this really, really downer of a song. Well, probably good to not only prepare them for that, but that there's also help on the way directly <laughs> after that, <laughs> yes. right? As a matter of fact, it was so sad. You know, if you've if you've been listening to this podcast, uh, we have a little a little format that we follow, and that is uh, I'll make we'll do the introduction, David and I. And then we have a teaching, usually by one of our staff members here at Branches. Mm-hmm. And then we have an interview, something that's hopefully kind of interesting and fun. Well, <laughs> when, when I li- went back and listened to the interview, I said, we got to do the teaching at the end. People are going to be driving off of bridges <laughs> if they're listening to this thing. So Debbie Russell, who is just one of my favorites, and she's such a great counselor, great teacher. Uh, I asked, I said, Debbie, would you do a teaching for us? on dealing with sadness and make it fun. <laughs> she said, yeah, I can do that. So Debbie has a great little, about a four minute uh, teaching on sadness. And I think you'll you'll enjoy that. I'm glad you thought that through too for our listeners. So <laughs> listeners, make, make no 
mistake. If you get into Ken's song and it starts to emotionally affect you, help us on the way. Debbie yeah, will have some good words. And for I you. do need to say, Ken is a great guy. He he's written some fun songs and and tells funny stories. And we talk about some funny stories today. But he did exactly what I asked him to. I said, "Bring me your saddest song." And and he did. And he did. <laughs> Mike, this is going to date me, but I remember in college hearing a song, a country song, and I don't remember the artist's name, uh, but the line was basically, if I die before I wake, feed Jake. <laughs> well, let me just say, that would be a high point in this song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very jovial spot in the, in the gotcha. song again prepared for us. Uh, I'll, I'll give you this little uh, preparation. The, the name of the song is 1201. And uh, whatever happens at 1201 is not good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I will say that, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I'd like to say to our listeners that we have all this thought out and well planned, David. Most of the time we're operating from the seat of our pants and mm -hmm. just and and fun epiphanies happen. Well, when this episode airs, we are in the middle of a Lenten observation and it is not a bad thing. In fact, that's one of the points of Lent is to be able to spend a little, to set with suffering and spend a little bit of time with sadness and with sorrow. And with that in mind, I'd like to uh, invite our listeners to look at our blog, mm -hmm. branchesblog.com. We are in the middle of, and it's not too late to, to join us for the end of this. We're in the middle of a 40-day spiritual adventure called Love Actually. Where we're, where we're trying to learn to love the things that God loves, to love his word, to love his presence, to love his people, to love his church, and to love his creation. Um, it, it's a great exercise. And, and sadness and sorrow are not far removed from what it means to really observe Lent and to prepare yourself for the passion of of Christ. So maybe maybe there was a plan to all of this anyway. I think that's great. And this sounds like something a co-host would say, but in all sincerity, I'm going to jump in on that. But tell people again where they can go. Yeah, go to branchesblog.com and you'll see a series of blogs. In fact, every day a short blog is posted called Love Actually. Okay. Um and 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 by the time you get this, we'll be we'll be halfway through it, but that's okay. Just mm -hmm. join in where you are and it'll maybe give you the spark to say I'm going to do this next year when they do it again. So, yeah, Love Actually. It's fun, great interview with Ken. We we laugh a lot before we get to the song. Uh, and and hopefully it'll be a really good day. I think they're going to love it. I think so. Let's get started. I am uh, talking to one of my greatest friends, pr probably one of my quirkiest but greatest friends. I would put those two qualifiers together. Welcome, Ken. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, Ken Hart is a, a very successful businessman, but he also is a musician, songwriter. You know, we've been friends for a long time. I know a little bit of your story and in fact even today we've been talking about some of that story but one of the things that's interesting to me is just without without going back to the to the real personal details of that there was a time in your life where you realized this stuff just comes out i mean i, I it's almost like you don't have a choice 
to write. It just it just comes out of you. Say say something about it. It does, uh, and it started when I was a kid. I would get up in the mornings early. I've always been an early morning person, and I would uh, make myself something to eat, and then I would get on my bicycle and just be gone for the day mm-hmm. in a little small town in Mississippi, and. Obviously, that's uh, a novelty today. You know, I don't want, I, w- I never let my kids just get up and take off for <laughs> the right, day. Right. But back in the 70s, you know, you there were people all over this little old town that knew me, and inevitably I would get fed lunch and, you know, whatever. But I was just the kid that was always up and down Main mm-hmm. Street. And, but I would even go down into the culverts under the streets and, <laughs> you know, where the winos hung out uh-huh. and, and I, I say winos not in a derogatory fashion. But, yeah. Um, uh, I spent a lot of time around that and, uh, we had this, uh, Reverend Jimmy was his name and, and the whole town thought he was crazy. I thought he was amazing. <laughs> he would wear a different color suit every day and he had a briefcase full of paper uh-huh. and he had a white guitar with one string on it <laughs> and he would just walk around the town, uh, preaching mm-hmm. the word of God. Uh, and he knew it. He knew yeah. the scripture. And, Isn't that interesting? And he would, uh, uh, I particularly liked it when he would scold my father, you know, and say, you need to get your blank right with God, Mr. Hart. <laughs> if, you, if you're if you preaching and cussing at the same time, then you know that's, that's divine. It's a real thing. Like it's a, it's a real thing, but um, so I would sneak, I'd have to sneak around, you know, to, to be out with him, but I knew all of his spots, uh-huh. you know, around the town and he would walk and preach and then he would disappear, you know, and I knew where those disappearing spots were and, and, uh, I'd just go hang out with him. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anybody play a guitar with one string like he could. Uh-huh. And I've just always had this dreamer's mindset. Mm-hmm. And it seems like looking back on it now, I've always been looking for a story. Hmm. Well, I just started to say that, that, and I think your songs are that way, but you are at heart a storyteller. Right. And your songs are just kind of one way of expressing those yeah, stories. I, because the human condition is, is uh, and it's everything to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's where life comes from. Mm-hmm. I think writing is one thing. Uh, like with songs, mm-hmm. I mean, anybody can sit down pretty much and write a song. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I don't know how many songs I have in my catalog now, 600 maybe. Wow. Probably more, but mm-hmm. there's there's writers here in Nashville that have 3,000, 4,000. Mm-hmm. Um, writing is one thing. If, you, if you're just writing for yourself and writing to say something and then as you know, having written books, you, you kind of have to think about what you're saying and is this going to relate to someone enough to where they want to buy it. And then it's the same thing with songs. I mean, you got to cram this, this whole story into three minutes. Yeah. Um, you have to get on the idea. You have to stay on the idea. And then on top of all of that, lyrically, you got to have a melody that makes somebody Feel something. Can, yeah, yeah, that's good. And and so it's writing something commercially is a is a totally different art form mm-hmm. than just writing. I'm still working on learning the art of of that commercial element. Um, 
But you know, and, and I now this is I'm I'm talking about something that I know absolutely nothing about, <laughs> which is not unusual for me, Ken. But <clears throat> if I had to pick between writing successfully just for me and really expressing the things I want to express, and or or to pick between that or writing commercially, I would pick the I just like this pour my heart out. Now, it'd be wonderful if those two things could coincide somewhere and, you know, you could you could write a story that meant a lot to you and make money at it too. I, and by the way, I'm not very been successful at that. But, yeah, I think that's a I think that's an interesting. So, who who has done that? Who who do you know? Mm. Who do you who's a hero of yours? We said we would talk about some writers who you know, they they've been fairly well accepted somewhere along the way. But also, you just feel like they're writing their soul story. They're writing from their heart. Well, um, obviously, the first person, his name is Rock Killo, K-I-L-L-O-U-G-H. Oh, yeah, yeah. I never heard of him. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he, I called him on the way down here, and I said, I'm going to be talking about you on a podcast today. And he went, oh, boy. <laughs> Rock is uh, 70 in March. I think he'll be 78 or 79. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met him in 1997. I'm not going to tell you what he told me after I was introduced <laughs> to him as an aspiring, you know, uh -huh. Nashville songwriter. Uh -huh. um, but it was funny. <laughs> um, but from the moment I met him, I mean that that night, that that day, I was introduced to guys that I didn't know who they were. Mm -hmm. And after the course of about four or five days, I had realized that I'm sitting in a limo. I'm sitting on a bus. I'm sitting in a beach house. We were in Florida at this songwriters festival mm -hmm. that I just stumbled upon because mm -hmm. that's what I do. I stumble upon things. <laughs> but I'm in the room hanging out with the guys that wrote my music history. Wow. I mean, it's, it's guys like Red Lane and, and Sonny Throckmorton and Bruce Chanel who wrote, Hey, baby, I want it. Mickey Newberry, Larry John Wilson, uh, Whitey Schaefer. That's my introduction to Nashville songwriting, yeah. just these random encounters with these people through Rock Killo. Yeah. Uh, but, man, I have met lifelong friends on Music Row written some great songs mm -hmm. uh, that for whatever reason haven't been uh, recorded. I've had songs recorded that didn't make records. I've been on you know, songs on hold and I've been through the whole gamut of what happens down there except for having a hit radio song. Except for that little one little The money maker. <laughs> the, the, the thing that changes everything. The yeah. thing that has all the ancillary benefits. And I made a decision, a conscious decision that I'm going to write until I just can't write anymore. Yeah, yeah. And if, you know, I got lost in all of that shuffle, uh, which is about the time I met you, is when I was really lost in that tunnel vision of, of doing what everybody says you need right. to do. And I neglected me and neglected my family. Um, the things that I did that made me who I was, I was just so entrenched in chasing that yeah. elusive radio hit. Right. And uh, thank you and thank Branches and thank God that I came out of that and that y'all loved me back to being a human being and, and being myself because 
whether I have a hit song or not, today I know it's not going to define me as a writer. That's good. It's not going to define me as a person. Um, I don't write down there a lot. There's there's two artists and a, and a couple of songwriters who have a bunch of hits that I will write with. I do it as much as I want to, and you know I just know that that if if it's meant to be for lightning to strike and all that to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. But it's such a freeing thing to not be bound by that by that pursuit. So, do you have a song that kind of epitomizes all that? What's a, what's no. a song that? No, I don't. But what's a song had, that you've written that you had mentioned? Sad songs. Yeah. This song is a it's an execution song, and the story behind it is uh, I had gotten arrested mm-hmm. for DUI. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of your songs have that same story behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my whole life. Um, I was in jail for a long time. I mean, I don't know, five hours probably. I escaped right before having to put on a jumpsuit and go to breakfast. (laughs) And Travis came over, still living in Mississippi, and I was talking about this hard time I had just done, you know. and, And he just spit this idea out. So we wrote this song. It's called 1201. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Let's see. Mama, tell me it's a dream. Tell me this ain't real. Whatever they do to me now, tell me it'll heal. I thought of your home cooking when they gave me my last meal. Now my hands are strapped down by my side So I don't have to feel Mama, lock your eyes on mine And I'll try not to blame You loved me when you knew how far I'd wander And how low down I'd sink Would things have been different without that last drink? Now my head's strapped to the table so I don't have to think. You talk to Jesus every day. Tell me what did he say about me? Can he save my soul from hell? Or did he just say, oh well, his soul ain't worth saving anyway. This is where you're supposed to play a solo. (laughs) I need the one string on the white guitar. Talk to Jesus every day. Tell me what did he say about me? Can he save my soul from hell? Or did he just say, oh well, his soul ain't worth saving anyway? Mama, put your hand in mine. I'll always be your son. I'm the one across the line 
When I first picked up a gun Now it's clear that you were right Since all is said and done And my legs are strapped down good and tight So I can't break and run I guess it's time to say goodnight Twelve oh one. Yeah, this is fun. You said we kind of jokingly said all my stories, all my songs begin with this story. I was, you know, picked up for a DUI, and then you said my whole <laughs> life. the The cool thing about you is that's not your story no, anymore. No. Let's do this again. Let's, let's do. Let's tell more stories and hear more songs, and that'll be neat. Thanks again for doing Thank you, this. Mike. You know, uh, most of the time we come out of a teaching or an interview and I'll say, wasn't that good? That wasn't good. <laughs> that was awful. And that's not a reflection on Ken. He knows I love him. And we talked about this the day that he did that. That has got to be the saddest song I have ever heard in my whole life. But sadness is a part of life. And in fact, it's an important part of life. And so learning to deal with that, learning to handle that appropriately is very, very necessary if we're going to live healthier, happier, and holier lives. So Debbie Russell, one of our great counselors who does such a good job in teaching all the time, Debbie has a teaching about how to live with sadness. Believe it or not, we'll have fun going through this little teaching. So here's Debbie. Sadness is a feeling that we often have to face in life. And so let's talk today a little bit about what we do with that feeling and how we move through it so that it does not overwhelm us or lead us toward depression or despair. So the first step is just recognizing that sadness is an emotion. Um, Like many other feelings that we have, it's not always comfortable to feel sad, but it's a normal part of living in a broken world. We experience losses in life, um, whether they're relational or circumstantial, um, hard things, we get our feelings hurt, and all of those can produce the feeling of sadness inside us. And so sadness is a normal part of living in a broken world, but it's also a temporary part of this life because one day in heaven, the Bible says that there will be no more sadness or sorrow or tears. And so we know that it's something that we get through in this life, but it's not something we're going to deal with forever as Christians. So the first step in dealing with sadness is just to accept it, to be able to name that feeling and not try to somehow hyper-spiritualize it and always feel happy and think that that means you're being a good Christian. Um, That's not true that Jesus felt sorrow and we can feel sorrow and it has nothing to do with whether you love the Lord or not if you feel sad. Um, It's just a part of living, like we said, in this broken world when hard things or um, losses occur. So the first step is just to accept it and name it and um, know that it's okay to feel it. Uh, The next step would be to share it. When we share our sorrow with others and with the Lord, it brings comfort. And the Bible says that God is there to comfort us um, so that, in fact, 
He says he's going to comfort us so that we can turn and comfort others. And when we go through periods of sadness, if we share that with God, we can receive his comfort in our lives. Um, But also we have other people around us, and it really helps when you open up and talk about your feelings, um, especially the heavy and hard ones, because we weren't really meant to carry those alone. Um, Galatians says that we're supposed to share one another's burdens, and in this way we fulfill the law of Christ. When you allow people into your heart to share those hard moments with you, you're actually allowing them to be like Christ to you. And that's a blessing for them, and it's a blessing for you. So the second step is just to share it. So first we accept it, and we name it, and then we share it. Um, And then the last step in getting through sadness is to recognize that it is temporary, and we put our hope in the fact that God promises one day to make all things new, that we know that um, the psalmist writes that weeping comes for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning, and to remember that a feeling is a temporary state, um, it's not going to be permanent, and that God is making all things new, and that while we may feel sad for a season, um, we're not going to feel sad forever. And so if we can remember that happy times will come again, Um, and that that feeling will move through us, uh, especially if we get support during those hard times, it will move through quicker. So just to remember that uh, sadness is a hard thing to go through, and when we feel that way, it can be very um, difficult and it can be isolating. But if we allow ourselves to open up and talk about it, we will get through it a lot quicker. And even if it's not quicker, it'll be a whole lot easier to do that when we're not trying to do it alone. So I hope that encourages you today if you're dealing with some sadness, just to remember that God wants us to share that with others and He wants to comfort you in your time of sorrow. Now that was good. Debbie did a really good job of helping us to understand what it means to process sadness and how important that is in our lives. There was an animated movie a couple of years ago, Inside Out, that did a great job of talking about the different emotions and kind of the point of the movie. I don't want to ruin it for somebody, but the point of the movie was to find out how important sadness is in our lives because it sets the tone for for everything else. So what difference does that make? Uh, we, We heard a really, really sad country song. Debbie did a teasing. What difference does that make? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And nowhere in that idea abundantly is constant happiness or always uh, joyfulness. Sometimes sadness and sorrow and suffering is a part of that, but it's all necessary in the great equation of things. It's all necessary to really enjoy this full life that God has for us. You will have some sad days. But Jesus said, hey, in this world you'll have trouble, but I have come to overcome the world. Thank you for being a part of this today. Again, we would love to have you join us on the remainder of the 40 days of spiritual adventure, Love Actually. Go to branchesblog.com. Uh, David will put a link to that in the show notes and pick up where we are today. Uh, You will enjoy being a part of that. Uh, Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us in a couple of weeks when we drop the next episode of What Difference Does That Make? For today, remember to love yourself because God does. 
What difference does that make with Dr. Mike Courtney is part of the Mana 3 Media Network. It is hosted by Dr. Mike Courtney and is produced and edited by me, David Wilkinson. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love for you to subscribe to What Difference Does That Make wherever podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to check out our episode show notes. You can learn more about Branches Counseling Center on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out more podcasts by Mana3 Media, including my own, Dad Matters, on Instagram, at Mana3 Media. That's M-A-N-A, the number three, media.